everyone, and welcome to Scene Partners. <laughs> On the list of things I expected, uh, Law and Order, not one of them. And here we have Christophanopoulos <laughs> with the story. Chris, what's the beat? It's um, uh, or what's happening on the beat? What I'm, I I don't know. What that was there was too many different things going on at once. Well, I guess that would be more like old timey. Like and here we are with Chris with the beats. Yeah. Oh, that kind hey, of a, g- 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 like you said beats, and I thought in terms of music, and I went what Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, bears. Mm, hey, polar bears are the best. How's bears. your uh, how's your week going? Actually, really well, minus it being, you know, freezing freaking temperatures I like that outside. you said actually. Like, it was, it, it, it's surprising that you had have a good week. <laughs> I, you know, I say that, but I'm, I'm always Actually, having good weeks. This yeah. week's going okay. I don't know why I say that. All those other weeks have been really rough. <laughs> mm, some of them have been. Yeah, that's not, that's, that is, that is fair. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of like how I like uh, asking people how they feel about something or like, hey, how was this? And they're like, you know what? I actually enjoyed that. I actually enjoyed your show. You know, oh, that's yeah. A, that's no, a good that's one. like I don't I know what you'll say and it is not what you say. It mean. you know what I mean, <laughs> I would say that to someone privately talking about someone else's show. Like, I actually enjoyed the show. I actually enjoyed I it. Yeah. Yeah. I think people just don't really understand that word. I think it just gets thrown in there all the time. Yeah. Like, like, oh, dude. And now I'm going to think about it the whole time. It's so hard to listen. Anytime to I use like, 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 like more than twice mm. in 30 seconds, it, bo- it bothers me. I feel mm-hmm. so lazy about it. Yes. <laughs> but speaking of brilliant language, um, today's the day where we're going to talk about. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. What Ms. kind Harper of week are you Lee? having? It doesn't matter what I'm having. People care about you. They're <laughs> here for you. <laughs> They're not here for me. They're here for you. They want to know <laughs> what you're experiencing. I'm having a good week. We had a snow day. And basically you get given a snow day in Louisiana. That's like the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I mean, it's very rare. I love that you had two weeks off and you're like, (laughs) but the snow day. It's true. The one day. It's the unexpected day off. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I was looking forward to those two weeks, but that one day. Hey, those two weeks were amazing. But teaching right now is not easy. So that one day was amazing. (laughs) One day was what did you do with your snow day? Well, we still had virtual learning, so, oh. but it was different. It, it was it was very strange. We did like a a virtual day, but it was like an easy virtual day. Oh, which means you had which nothing means prepared. I <laughs> that would not be easy. Um, no, it means that like I I basically have to post things to say make sure you're working on this stuff, and then show me that you're working on it, and mm. then awesome, and then we're done. So really, I was done by like ten thirty. Oh. What? Oh, come on, man. Yeah. How dare you? I mean, but it's still awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad for I you just that you had a saying, good, easy day. I'm just saying it was still a school day just in case the school yeah. board is listening. Well, I didn't want it to be. I, I know that I made that joke, but it's like, I, I'm happy that you actually had a day off. No, yeah, me too. You get a day off tomorrow. That's right. And I'm not happy about that. Like, I'm immediately <laughs> jealous. I'm like, you should be. I'm at work. You should be at work. That is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was out in the cold all day, so that's I true. earned it. Uh, that is true. So um, today's the day we're buying the girl a drink, as we you are. so eloquently yeah, worded we're, it. We're saddling up next to Miss Harper Lee, and we're going <laughs> to use our best. <laughs> 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 I said saddling up next to. 
Yeah. I just want that to be clear. I don't know what era you're from. <laughs> Talking about old radio I've been, programs. Like, I've been, I've been, I've been yeah, by myself. Beat? I've been by myself today. Actually in this room just constantly <gasps> thinking about this show, actually. Mm-hmm. Which has been really cool. I have it has been it has been neat. So what? Um, it's going to sound like one of those planned questions, but it's not. Uh, what was your introduction to to Kill a Mockingbird? Well, I went to school in a place where we didn't read this. Really? And yeah, this was not in school. So my first introduction of it was actually my uh, my mom and my dad showing me the movie. I hadn't read the book. And I really didn't read the book until much later in life, like after college. Really? Yeah. And it was one of those that was like, well, you know, I really do need to read this book. I mean, it's obvious that I need to read this book. Everybody should read this book. So I didn't really read it until after after school, like all the school. That is incredible. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know why it wasn't a part of the curriculum, but, you know, at the school that I went, I don't, we, we didn't really read books <laughs> is that weird to say like i mean we read we read some stuff and i remember but i don't ever remember there being a class where it was like all right you're gonna read this novel like i read independently like i did a lot of independent reading i feel like there had to have been some assigned reading you just did not do there any was stuff of it. in class with like the actual textbook like i remember when we were going through shakespeare like we had in english three and the teacher gave me like nobody wanted to read it out loud. So I had to read all of it out loud. Like I remember reading um, the however much of Julius Caesar there. We didn't read the whole thing, but like whatever cut of Julius Caesar was yeah. in the book, I read the whole thing out loud to my well, class. Well, better you than the kid. I think who that's can't what the teacher. <laughs> I think that's what the teacher was thinking. They were like, all right, wait a minute. <laughs> This is too hard to listen to to try to get everybody to do this. Cody will do it. It's like, oh, man, come on. Dude, don't don't call on him. He's the only one volunteering. <laughs> anybody else. Anybody else. I was definitely the the Hermione Granger in that yeah. class. It was like, ooh, me. I know. Um, and then I remember doing a research paper on Ernest Hemingway, but I chose to do that in English 4. So, like, I chose my own, my own book to read and then every, other people did different. So, I just don't know if we read things. Yeah. Who knows? Apparently, I was educated. <laughs> In whatever way they Eventually. deemed necessary <laughs> to be like, that's fine. But I don't, yeah, we didn't read To Kill a Mockingbird. And I think that it is so important. I, I, mm -hmm. I know that, I think especially for where we live yeah, and in the South, for many reasons, it should be, um, and that's many, not many, that's in miniature. Yeah. But like for, for many reasons, I think that, you know, our kids should be reading this book and growing up with the knowledge of what happened not too long ago. Yeah. And it gives so much clarity to the way things are going right now. Like, I mean, I wish there's some way that I could work this book into my eighth grade fine arts class. Yeah. I feel like there's not really, but I mean, I wish that I could in some ways. I just, it's just such a, a nice novel. So for me, it wasn't until much later. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I kind of like that I read it later just because of the perspective that I had. But I do wish that in school I would have had the opportunity to read it for sure. What about you? Mine was actually from school, but I was reluctant mm -hmm. because we had started that year off. Uh, I must have been a sophomore in high school and we started reading The Scarlet Letter. And I read that entire thing. 
He's and so I said, mad. I will never read another book that this teacher assigns again. <laughs> You're gonna be like, I will never read another book. You don't like the Scarlet Letter? I nope. I don't. I don't know that a lot of American early American literature is for me, per se. <laughs> it's just not my style. I would say, but um, I remember You're not, like throwing down on some Edgar Allan Poe and mm-mm. some. Um, Mark Twain. Well, some of Edgar's stuff is actually pretty good. I, like, we're friends, me and Edgar. Um, yeah, I've really, and, I really enjoyed me and that. The e. You know, uh, me, me and Epo. Me and Epo. <laughs> um, yeah, some of Mark Twain's stuff's a little, little more difficult, I guess, to get through. But we were going through the whole class on, you know, it was this section. We were going through this book, and I did not read it. And it was like two days before the final. And I said, I'm just going to skim through. And then I read it in two days. I could not freaking put it down and it was just so heartbreaking and so beautiful. And it's a book that I've returned to on several occasions because of just how like moved I was. And it was the first time it was like, Oh, this isn't like a Harry Potter novel. This isn't like Mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings. This is like this very contained so much more real. Yeah. This, this felt like, like it actually happened. And I feel like it's also so relatable, you know, you and I both being from the South, it, I mean, even though this book is based in 1939, mm-hmm. 39, 35, I think it's 39. I could be wrong. Um, anyway, uh, whichever, I think it's 39. Yeah. The early, the, the late thirties there. Uh, it's wild to think that we can read that book now. And if I would have read it in school, especially I could have picked out people who would have been in the Yule family. Yeah. Still, mm-hmm. <laughs> like same mindset, same everything. And I think that it, it is such a good education on empathy for, you know, kids and adults of just, I mean, to me, that's a lot of what the book is about mm-hmm. is just learning about empathy. I think I wrote down today while I was reading it, a, a, just something interesting that I was kind of noticing, you know, so much about what you think the book is about. These, yeah. The characters don't show up until much later. You know, Atticus doesn't show up on the page in the script until page 20. Yeah. And, you know, really it's Scout's journey. And we, we can talk a little bit about that later. But um, and then like Boo Radley shows up for the last five pages. Yeah. But on the first five pages that Atticus is there, he teaches six lessons. Yeah. Well, that's what's that's what's great about uh, and not just the script, but also the novel. Like. It's constantly, you know, Atticus trying to teach Scout these lessons on, yeah. you know, you well, know, it's not just Atticus either. I mean, it's well, yeah, yeah, ev- yeah. everybody like she is learning from the world around her and you see a child picking and choosing in real time what is what is right, the, the right path to follow and the paths that you should stray from. And then yeah. learning how to deal with the people that take the, the different path, mm-hmm. the path that, you know, isn't isn't the right way necessarily. Um, so I know you said you were sitting there thinking about it all day, but like, what's uh, what are some of those thoughts you want to unload? Because there's like 50 notes well, on the is, wall behind you. Well, that's just I was just like writing things and sticking things. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's not in any kind of particular order or anything. I just the I was thinking a lot about just the process of building a show, and then in this one, just kind of having to retool what I want for the production, knowing that we're not going to be in the same theater that I originally anticipated us being in. So I kind of had to let go of a previous vision and then be okay with it. So today I just kind of like started it with a brand new mindset 
and just started reading it and thinking, all right, if I just throw all these ideas out, what am I going to get? And so I started thinking about the music again and just about the set and how we can use the set. And so much of it for me is about this, this tree that is between Boo Radley and Scout, you know, between their houses, the Radley and the, the Finches. And I was thinking a lot about that tree today and I kind of wrote a little bit about it on that thing that I, that those slides that I shared with you, some of the like stuff that's um, motivating me or inspiring me right now. And it was the, the fact that, you know, Harper Lee's character of, of scout, which I feel like is really her Mm -hmm. experience. um, So much of, of what she is noticing in the time and being curious about, it's like showing us as adults, like this curiosity for the things that are unseen. Yeah. Like Boo Radley is unseen and they talk so much about him and they build your imagination up so much that you just like, even as an adult, your mind is going crazy trying to figure out who and what it is. And then they don't give you any satisfaction as to, to what he looks like or, or anything until the very end of the book which I just think is yeah so cool. But noticing these little things where that, that have a hidden gems in them, mm-hmm. the things you don't see and that kind of fade into the background. And I think one of those things are, are trees. I mean, you just don't, you don't really notice like trees have been there forever. Yeah. I mean, they're so old and you just kind of pass by, but yet she gives this magical quality to something that you would normally just pass right by. Yeah. Which is this tree that has got, you know, like, shiny lucky pennies in it and stop like a, a, a watch and um and the gum and yeah, things the, like the that. stick of gum and those things and, and that scout is curious and wants to find these things and that she could actually find something that like that in the knot yeah. hole of a tree that you know normally you would just blow right past and i think that's one reason why boo radley kind of latches on in a way is that that she he finds somebody that notices yeah the things that the you thing don't that he does normally see but what's great about that uh, that exchanging of gifts even though it's we we're only ever shown like a scout's side of the story there is that by the time we get to the end and then we have i mean it like makes me cry every time i read it but it's like we we were his kids yeah and it's like well oh you my just realize gosh. that he was watching them yes and you know protecting them in some sort of way for so long and that that was in a way his way of giving something back to them yeah it's really cool it's just so beautiful but i like this idea of this tree being ever present Mm -hmm. in the show and so of course i went through like so many different ideas of how to do this was like okay what if the entire show is like somehow i turn the entire theater into a tree (laughs) 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 like i've got like the tree trunk and like the stump is where people act. And like, yeah. you know, everybody is just in this big old tree. Yeah. It's like, that's ridiculous. That's a horrible idea. Moving on. It's like, welcome to To Kill a Mockingbird staged in the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Love I, that. Yeah. So uh, I decided that probably is not the direction that we want to go. You know what, though? I think you have to throw every idea at the uh, at the window. Just oh, to you see definitely have to throw. Yeah, you, you have to throw it all out there. And, and see what happens. And and I think that whenever you just let everything be a possibility, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, everything is a possibility. Yeah. And then you're open to those those bigger ideas, those better ideas. Um, You know, I, I showed you eventually what I arrived at, but 
you know, some of the stuff. Oh, let me just look at what's on some of these things. Well, it actually, I, I will say that because we, we kind of talked about the mock-up of the set and not that the set that we had before when we were at the other theater was bad, but like I'm more excited for this intimate space. Yeah. I mean, I think the other way we were working towards making it be intimate and finding mm-hmm. ways to f- get that feeling. And in this new theater, it's there's no way it, it can't. Yeah. Be. So it's more or less and it's kind of the opposite problem. You have to try to find ways to make it seem bigger. Yeah. <laughs> like there is more space. Yeah. Like the world keeps going because it's so much smaller. Um, so I did. I was thinking a lot about just like the sheer amount of lessons that Atticus teaches and mm-hmm. just the fact that really he's not the star of this story did you know i don't know if you know this but that was one of the uh controversies that the harper lee uh foundation had when aaron sorkin adopted it oh really yeah they, they were making it more like about yeah they 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 uh they actually tried to sue them they got into a big like lawsuit i knew and it that was, there was a big lawsuit and that they didn't necessarily like his direction that yeah, he was taking the 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 reason was because of that because he was writing atticus to be the main character mm. and not scout well they ended up you know reconciling and it went to broadway and everything but that was that was their their big hiccup right there. That is interesting. Now I'm now I'm even more intrigued to read that version because yeah. I don't know how he could accomplish that goal. Yeah, I could. I mean, you know, he writes a lot for Jeff Daniels. So, well, yeah, but still, I just I don't. He would have I do to know, rewrite things. Yeah, I do know that he added dialogue for uh, Cal in there so that there could be a little more banter between Atticus and Cal throughout the right. throughout the show, but. It's interesting that he would try to maybe reframe. I mean, I, f- I do not think that it would be a bad idea at all to give more things to Calpurnia. Yeah. Of that storyline. Like, I do kind of wish that they would have kept in the script the the part where uh, the kids go with Calpurnia to church. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful moment in the yeah. story, too, because it was like I love reading it from Scout's perspective. Again, you know, mm. her childlike wonder of well, this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing, you know? Right. And, and just like, I just love yeah, that whenever moment. Whenever she asks Calpurnia when they're at the church, like, why do you talk this way Yeah. here mm. and not this yes. way at the house? And her explanation that I wish I could remember it word for word, but it's just, it is just very smart yes. the way that it's, the way that it's brought up. Well, it's basically code switching. Yeah, that's that, that's the thing. You look at it now, and people have have given this new life again. But it's really an old idea. Yeah, like people all of a sudden, you, you know, there's the term for it now: code switching. And that's just it's so. It must be so amazing and so terrifying to have been a writer like Harper Lee was, and to create this as her first novel. Yeah, <laughs> and you immediately create something that even though it is fixed in a time period is timeless yeah. and is like this American classic. And I guess there's really no way she could have known, but she had to know that she had something so special and that what well, she was telling, she, she didn't want to show anyone this. She, she like, wasn't going to actually show anybody. Right. I don't think so because I, th- it wasn't until Truman Capote, like kind of convinced her to yeah. put it out there, right? Because they were friends. Because I think Ghost Set a Watchman is some of the original draft ideas that right. she threw she threw out and they've like compiled that into be like a new story or something or another. Right. Which was so not okay. Yeah. Talk about the Harper Lee Foundation should have sued somebody. It should have been that whole process. Yeah. Should have gone away. I've n- I've never read it, but I've I'm heard not gonna that read it, it, it because Atticus in a different light. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like everybody no. was saying it it basically destroys 
the character of Atticus. Yeah. And like makes him into a semi-racist. Yeah. Like that is not. That doesn't track to the story that we have. That is not right. Even though I understand it is told from a kid's perspective. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I had had written down was talking about the, the, how Atticus doesn't show up until so late and then the lessons that he teaches, but just how smart, how smart it's written just because Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't even think about the fact that he's teaching a lesson this whole time. You know, but pretty much everything he says is like a, I don't know, what do you call those beatitudes? It's like the Polonius speech. (laughs) Neither a borrower or a lender be. It's like he comes on and he gives his little Polonius speech from Hamlet, you know? Well, I love that, you know, at no point is he raising his voice to her. It's all about like, look, this is what happened. This is how you can deal with it. Well, he treats his kids like adults throughout the entire show. He never talks down to them and it's so beautiful. Exactly. I'm going to reason with them in a very real way. Yeah. And be understanding. And I think that's that is such a huge thing in the script because there's so much of people not wanting to understand anything outside of the normalcy. Yeah. They don't want to branch out. And he just immediately is like, let me meet you halfway, Mm -hmm. which is where the line comes for the, um, you know, you can never really know somebody until you walk in their skin and move around. And that, that line tells Jim, um, another thing that I found interesting, um, and, and shocking is that it was like on the third page you're barely introduced to the characters and it just hit me really hard when I was reading it. I mean it hit me hard the first time that I read the show of course but this time today I don't know why it just it stung a little bit more probably because everything that's going on mm-hmm. um, is just so much more compounded but to think of what an audience member will feel like because when I just read it off the page it's so shocking and so difficult um whenever scout is outside waiting for atticus to come home and the boys walk by and they scream at her uh they scream the n-word at her yeah and uh i don't remember the exact line but it's like your your dad defends you know yeah 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 and um it just oh that's right because it just gotten out that the, the right. judge had assigned she atticus. Know yeah yet. she like that information is not to, to scout because atticus hasn't come home and mm-hmm. told him these things and so these those boys walk by and she yells at him. And th- I think that what I thought about was one, the audience's reaction, what that's going to be like, mm-hmm. because it was it's going to be heart wrenching and shocking. At least you would hope it would be. Well, it should make everyone uncomfortable. And it's like and it literally people two to three minutes from the, the beginning. Yeah. And it's right at the start. And I think it just sets the tone of being like, hey, yes this is what's going on and it all seems happy. And yes, it's just really like relaxing and we're in the South and, you know, Miss Maddie's over there smelling a mimosa tree, but <laughs> also <laughs> there's this other thing that we're not talking about. Yeah. And it's under the surface and it's this boiling point. This like Tennessee Williams mm-hmm. heat that's coming up. That's about to explode. Um, and the thing that, I've thought of a little bit more was not just the fact that scout heard that because really scout probably wouldn't have cared so much yeah. because she uses it later until that's one of the lessons that Atticus teaches her. Don't do that. That's don't be common. That's ignorant. Yeah. And then, um, but she doesn't know that lesson yet. And the thing that I thought about was the fact that Calpurnia is on the porch trying to get her to come in. So Calpurnia is hearing the whole thing. Mm -mm. And so Mm. what I thought like in just, I th- and I think this is why it was a little bit more intense for me because I just imagined 
the, I guess the, the way that you stage that and having the innocence of scout hearing that, not totally understanding what's going on. And the audience will of course look straight to Calpurnia yeah. to see her reaction. Cause they're not going to worry about what the little white kid feels about it. Yeah. And then seeing that Calpurnia is complacent and used to it is even worse. Yeah. And so I just like, I was like, man, this is just like a huge, and then making sure that whenever you do stage this, that you give it the weight and the intensity that it deserves to be able, because when you are doing something that's that shocking, I feel like you have to, you have to do it right or you're in trouble. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and it deserves it. Because you definitely don't want people to think that it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I you feel like if like you watch the show and you think moment, that that's yeah. okay, then there's something wrong. Yeah. And Agreed. Yeah. And we, we should have a bigger conversation with you before you leave the theater, <laughs> like to the side. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. That just was really, really sticking out to me today. Um, that very open and seen. I just think it would be so beautiful as far as like watching that reaction and then it hitting beautiful and like the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Sense, but. Enough to make the audience uncomfortable to change. Yeah, I mean, and challenge them. Challenge the thought of being like hearing that, and if you're still not uncomfortable, seeing that you should be. Yeah. And there's a bigger problem there. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of is, um, oh my goodness, what is this? I wrote, what is the point of? Hmm. Oh, the <laughs> rabid dog. So I was thinking about that today. You know, they have that scene yeah, where the I've, dog that has yeah. the, the mad dog, the mm-hmm. rabies, and he's going down the road and the whole road is forgetting. I was just wondering what you thought about that. Oh, man. That's, I know that I'm talking out of order. Yeah. But I just I have no idea the random things I that's, wrote down on these. That's post-its. one of those things that I have always struggled to understand because I go back and forth mm-hmm. on... Um, I think I mostly settle on the idea. I'll say this. I think I mostly settle on the idea of it being sort of an allegory mm-hmm. for, and and I could be totally wrong. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that I chat, like it challenges me every time I read it. Cause I'm like, I don't know that I fully understand. I don't think that there's any wrong way to interpret yeah. something that you read. I, I think that that's and, what's And awesome rather than it. anybody trying to like help the situation, the easiest thing to do is to be done with it. And to kill it and move on from it. And and I don't and I could be totally wrong in the way that I'm hearing and seeing mm-hmm. and interpreting that. Well, and, in this particular instance, there would be no way to help. Yeah. Right? Because they would not have been able to cure the disease of the at dog. the time. Yeah. Um, can you cure rabies now? Well, I don't know. I, did they say that it's rabies or he just well, has a mad, mad dog? Yeah, mad dog disease. I just assume that, that was the that's what it was, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was rabies. I, I, I just don't. There's not a. I guess because I think so logically that yeah. when there is sort of an allegorical thing in such a very logic driven. Well, it has to show, mean something. Yeah, that 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 it's just one of those things that I've I can't. It's like it just escapes me. I guess I'm too. Well, I, one thing that I think is interesting is that along the way that one the dog is is able to make it almost all the way to Atticus's door. Yeah. And everyone else on the main strip of the town has shut their doors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hiding from it. And the one person that's willing to confront it, I'm also just like coming up with this yeah. while staring deep <laughs> into your eyes. <laughs> because, um, yeah. Is that the one person that's able to confront it is Atticus. It's not the sheriff. Yeah. It Just like how they passed the case off to him. Mm-hmm. He's now going to have to deal with this dog. 
you know, and that is going to eventually well, save the town. Interesting that, you know, the sheriff has the gun, but he refuses to pull the trigger. He right. refuses to actually do anything about the problem mm-hmm. itself. So he's like, again, like everyone else, he should be the one. He should be the one doing the righteous thing there, I guess. Right. Well, and you would think that he would be the best shot. Yeah. But also it kind of shows in my in the way that I think about it, it shows how good the sheriff is because he knows that Atticus is the better shot. Yeah. He is the one that should do it because there's l- less risk. Yeah. And so instead of trying to be the hero, he knows like, okay, I don't need, like it should be somebody who's going to actually be able to take care of the situation in the right way. The dog scene is better for me now. <laughs> but I wouldn't mean, just like, I, it seems so weird that it has to mean more. Like just yeah. the fact that it's still in there. Like, why would you keep the rabbit dog scene in and take the scout going to church scene out? Yeah. And that's, I just feel like it has to mean more or else what's the point of it. Um, yeah. And I, and, and I know that there is some weight there with the fact that it also shows scout and Jim because Jim has just been, you know, the first thing that Jim tries to do is to get his dad to go play football like all the other dads, but he's yeah. not like all the other dads. And in reality, you find out that he could do these things. Mm-hmm. He can teach Jim how to shoot. He's just, he doesn't want to be the one to do that. He doesn't like guns. He doesn't yeah. want to, this is not my thing. You want to do that with somebody, do it with your Uncle Jack, you know? Well, it's also because I don't know, I, I haven't read the script in a hot minute, but I know in the book that they talk about him being like this best shot, but he doesn't like any accolades on himself. So right. he doesn't want to be known for well, something. And it's just like how he praises, before this happens, he praises his brother for being better at it than him. Yeah. He's like, no, it's not me. You need to do it with your uncle. When he comes, he will teach you and scout how to shoot the air rifle. Yeah. And mm, I, I and then seeing that he's, you know, the technically the best in town mm-hmm. and Jim and scout get to see that. And it forces them to see their dad in a in a different way. Yeah. That they because, you know, that scout has those really great lines. The um, why can't he be like other dads and do something cool, <laughs> like drive yeah. a dump truck or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Why can't he have a real trade, a real job? Instead, he just reads. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so, you know, talking about that, um, I one of the things I always loved about the story is that especially in the trial, we are never actually told like well, that, that's what's so great about the framing of the story being from Scout's perspective is mm-hmm. that we're never told if the story that Tom is telling is the truth or if uh, Mayella is telling the truth. Like we're, yeah. we're inclined to believe one over the other. And it's because Atticus is there as this like beacon, this, right. this like righteous figure. And he is, I feel like in, maybe it's just my own side of it, but I feel like if you're watching this show and you're siding with the Yules with Mayella, then there's well, yes. something fundamentally wrong. Well, <laughs> if you're well, like, no, Tom Robinson was guilty. <laughs> yes, like, yes. That's another, we need to talk about this later. <laughs> but it's just, it was just interesting to me that, you know, regardless of the conclusion of the story there, but of, of the, you know, the jury there, it, it was just interesting to me that I always think about that. Like, yeah. we're never told, obviously we know what, mm-hmm. I mean, because there's always in every story, you know, there's, there's, two sides to every story, and then there's the truth of what really happened right. or whatever. But they never actually factually come out and be like, this is it. Yeah. Like, and then the only way they could have done that is if Bob Yule would have come out right before he died. You know? Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Just assuming that. Maybe we should have said that right before this. Yeah, like, this if you haven't it. read To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. do that before you That's listen to this. why I danced this. around the jury's uh, verdict Whoops. there. But, I mean... It, 
the only way that it, that would have happened is if it came from him. Like he has this moment, like from the Buffy movie, where he's like, basically, he's like, oh, I lied about everything, uh. and then <laughs> d- done. Um, at least I didn't say how it happens. Yeah, that's fair. So the other thing with the dog is that I think it's in a way it's foreshadowing for the trial and the way that the town accepts the information from the trial. Mm-hmm. And I think so much, so much of it when I read it today, because, you know, for me, watching the riots on Capitol Hill was like heart wrenching and terrible. And I've just never really I like the years keep compounding things that I never thought that I would go through or experience. <laughs> yes. And then seeing how I experience them, it, it's just interesting to me. I think I, I like to self-reflect and try to figure out why these things mean this way. But like watching that footage of of it all happening, I was so emotional and like nervous and stressed. I didn't sleep. It was weird. I was just having such a hard time with it. And then reading that today and just thinking about how the information flows, you know, like yeah. how you have people in, um, in 45's cabinet that mm-hmm. are basically like, Oh, we didn't see this coming. And yes, he is a liar. Like they're like all yeah. jumping ship and, and immediately going the other direction and then you look at things that they've said in the past and be like well really you were just aiding and abetting all of this yes. stuff until it wasn't convenient mm-hmm. and now it's not convenient so how do you keep having a career so yeah. it's anyway um and just seeing how they can change that information and how certain people will just completely accept it yeah and be like oh yeah i'm, I'm with you 100 percent. Well, i will forget and forgive with you and move on yes i think a better and more recent um, and, and in keeping with that particular topic is that, you know, someone can give a speech. You need to march upon the Capitol right. right now. This thing happens. And then, you know, not 45 minutes later, say, well, it had to be Antifa. Right. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> like, well, didn't we just see those people march from three blocks over down Pennsylvania Avenue? after right. you? It's just one of those things where it's like we're, we're literally changing facts. You can't facts. look at anything logically anymore yes. because people are wrapping opinions into facts and emotions into reality. And exactly. It's like none of that makes any sense just because it doesn't fit into your specific narrative. Just how anyone in any political side of it couldn't see that and be enraged. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. But. In reading that scene with the dog today, that's what got me thinking on it. Yeah. And it was weighing on me. And I thought, because immediately after that, Miss Stephanie comes up and says to Maudie, you know, she says, um, well, you know, I can't believe that he just shot that dog. I don't even know if that dog was really mad anyway. Of Mm -hmm. course, Mr. Finch would just go out there and shoot that poor defenseless dog, you know. Yeah. Going off about it. And Maudie was like, well, you sure didn't mind letting him shoot it while you were cowering in your house behind the door. Yep. It was just immediately with the mm-hmm. knowledge of this is happening. I don't want to deal with it, but I'm still going to come out and I'm going to talk, you know, bad about it. Oh, yeah. So that I can have an opinion. It's like everyone in the town has this bad opinion of the Yules. Yeah. And then, you know, when something a, a good, righteous man who's just trying to help, he's not there's no ulterior right. motives there for him. And Which like, is why it lets you know that it was purely a race issue. Yeah, and then you, you it because just, Tom Robinson has a job. Yeah, that's another thing that I realized today when when reading it is that the first thing that Bob Yule says, whenever Atticus asks him the question about writing, he says, um, "You know, can you can you write? Can you sign your name?" And he says, "Well, of course I can." 
He said, well, can you sign your name right here? And he was like, yeah, of course I can sign my name. I sign it every month for my relief checks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, so he, Mr. Yule, you know, is living off of the government and he doesn't have a job. Yeah. And he's got like, you know, 12 kids or whatever it is. His wife is gone. His daughter's raising everybody. And Tom Robinson still in his mind is lower on the totem pole. Yeah. Even though they're like an upstanding family with, and he has a job and he's mm-hmm. working and he's trying so hard and he's helping yeah. them. <laughs> it's just, uh, that was, that was hard. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so hard to think about because he's, he, he has no, no reason or want to help. Right. It's like, I see these kids in need. He couldn't, he couldn't just keep walking. Yeah. Um, oh man. Um, so in thinking about the, the set and stuff and all of these ideas, this is what I really meant to say. And it does have to do with the set too, with sound design and prop design and costumes and all those things. We have all of this information that's been given to us. Mm-hmm. And now how do we, was that one word? And now how do we? And how do we? <laughs> it's like when Harry Potter's and asking do we? Uh, uh, Cho Chang to the, <laughs> would you go to the dance with me? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world just happened? And now how do we as a planet on in Star Wars? That's what that is. Look at you. Um, like Buster Rhymes over there. <laughs> and how do we? <laughs> how do we? <laughs> so how do we put all of that stuff in a show and make it to where people pick up on it? That is that is my thing. So like we have all these feelings. We got all these thoughts about what that yeah. dog scene means about the fact that Atticus doesn't show up until page 20, the fact that Boo Bradley, who they talk about the whole show, along with Atticus, doesn't show up until the last five pages. Yeah. Like, how do you give the weight that it deserves to all these moments? Because, I mean, there's so many things that are important. Yeah. So how do you make sure that you're delivering the message the way that it needs to be delivered? And it is, you know, uh, there there is a little bit of a vignette type of nature, even the way that the the... The novel is written, not just like with the. Uh, yeah, they oh, jump through time. <laughs> the shirts are coming I'm, I'm off. I'm dressing for you, man. <laughs> um, ah! <laughs> it was going to be so seamless, and then you did this. I did nothing, but but it's almost like you know, I guess understanding. We should be clear that I'm still wearing. You're a still shirt. wearing a shirt. It's just taking my sweater off. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless it helps us get more viewers if we're not. We're both shirtless. Mm-hmm. That's what we should start to. That we should change it. Shirtless, shirtless partners. Scene partners. Oh. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything. Um, I, actually, I don't think it would help either of us get any more viewers if no. people thought the two of us were shirtless. It would just be weird for the both of us eventually. We could be that like that comedian that never wears a shirt. Oh, Bert, Chris Singer, Chris Singer. Whatever, whatever his yeah. name is. But I think it's understanding, you know, which moments need to have the highlights and which moments are leading us to the overarching or arching mm-hmm. narrative. And, you know, which well, moments are there for the levity. Every single thing. Yes. All the importance, because then people get exhausted. Yes. And they can't they can't stay with you. It's like, that thing of like earning your pause. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a great way of thinking about it in every sense, especially when you're looking at directing it. If being like, I can't go with this like. I have Everything to build is a, so important. Yes, because then people like five minutes in are gonna be like, "I need a break." Yeah, because you just can't, you can't, you can't give that much attention to something. It's the same way I would say 
like and it this makes is, the most important things less important to you. Yes. It's it's how I view I think some actors treat comedy a lot of times where they're like, and my lines are so important all the time. And it's like, it's a comedy. Yeah. Get to the joke. Right. And I think that's 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 something that especially like breaking down and sitting with the script and I've started like beating it out and stuff to to find out like, okay, this needs to punch. Yeah. Maybe we could scale back on this and and things like that. It's like beating a monologue, which which is a lot of beating important. going yeah. on. <laughs> That's the turf. <laughs> oh, I've mostly said that so you explain. I mean, some people may not know what that means okay. to sit down and like. Beat so, a what script is beating down. a script? You sit down with a script and you look at every single instant, yeah. And you just you just work through it, and you just you're basically like a boxer mm-hmm. at at the uh, punching bag. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. Yeah. And you're just just kind of like making sure that you're understanding every single moment and you're working through it. And then by the time you get there, your script is in rags. Yeah, basically. You know, it just looks like an old punching bag. It's got highlights and lines all over it. And right. Ideally. Yes. And your pages <laughs> are falling out because the glue has become so yes. withered, you know. Um, so I, I think for me, looking at this, what do you think... And this is a big question, but what do you think the biggest thing that this whole story is? Because when I work with people on monologues, that's what I say. It's like there's one moment that is your, your the 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 top of the ladder. Yeah. And you got to get there and you can't stay there. But that's your like it hits the it hits hard moment and you fight against it and then you pull yourself back down. And then we see the difficulty of you working against that. Yeah. So what in this script do you think? And this is a big question, but that I did and you not may not know the answer to before, yeah. And you may not know the answer to it. Um, maybe we don't know it right now. But in your mind, what do you think is is possibly? Maybe that's take some of the pressure off. Is possibly one of the more important things that or moments in the script for you that that we want to make sure that the audience yeah really gets. So I would say. The easy answer is always going to be the courtroom scene for Atticus's closing statements. Mm-hmm. But I almost I, 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 I have to press against that because I genuinely believe it's at the end when um, Atticus is really having that crisis. When he finally makes a mistake. Yeah. When yeah. it's like he made the wrong choice, like, you know, mm-hmm. all of this. Right. And it's the same thing that happened to Tom Robinson. You know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing until I think it the becomes same thing, the one the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that we're on the same page on that because that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Too. It's that moment right whenever Heck take come, him, him and Heck yeah. have their conversation. And, and it's he realizes because you watch him the whole whole time. You know, it's 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 um it's a thing like your your hero has got to make a mm-hmm. mistake. Yeah. There has to be a, a flaw. You have to humanize them. And he finally has a flaw. Mm-hmm. And that was another one of my questions of how do one, how do we make sure that moment hits so hard? I mean, yeah. I think one that's up to your Atticus of delivering that moment. Well, let's hope that's up to <laughs> It's up to the job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that he, he like, you know, can arrive at the mm-hmm. finish line on that one. But also I think that it's all, all about the setup. Yeah. You know, um, I think all those like because it is the culmination of all these things because you're also bringing in Boo Radley. You know, these are my kids and things like that. But 
and I, I get I get what you're trying to ask. You know, how do you narrow your vision to lead to that? Like, well, yeah, you have you you have like one general idea mm-hmm. that you essentially shape the show around. That you're like, this is my my concept. This is the reason why we're doing yeah. this. And if anything, I want people to leave with this knowledge. Yeah. And I do like that Atticus has a flaw. And I think the thing that makes it even more intense is that his flaw has to do with his family. Yeah. That he just couldn't see it. He just he just felt untouchable, which kind of in a way lends itself to our time yet again of mm-hmm. this like untouchable white male savior complex. Yeah. <laughs> thing. And I feel like he falls into that category of being like, I'm fine. If, as long as I do the right thing, no one is going to come after me. Yeah. Even though he had repeated threats and was constantly being told this is going to happen. Yeah. He just kept ignoring it until it was a problem. Yeah. You know? um, oof. So the other thing um, that I want to ask you about is what you think about the scene with the uh, the jail at the jail. Oh, where the guys are storming in, correct? Yeah. So Atticus and they're trying to they're coming after Tom Robinson because Yeah, Heck goes and gives Atticus a, a heads up that they're moving mm-hmm. Tom Robinson into the city jail. Yeah. And or county jail. I don't remember what they called it. But anyway, he's going to the jail downtown. Mm-hmm. And um basically that he's being called away. Yeah. And so Atticus goes and he just sits there outside the jail to essentially protect him. Well, the one thing there, there are two things that I find very in, that I've always found interesting about that is that it's not the sheriff who's sitting out. Right. Well, the sheriff can't because he's been called out and he oh, has to go on the call. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because that's, well, that's the, interesting. The do we, do we believe that there hunt. really was? Yeah. A, a call. Was this I mean, like a I fake think call? I think that it was a real call because I feel like the good people in the town are. Heck, mm-hmm. the judge and Atticus. I feel yeah. like they see the right stuff. I mean, I guess it would be interesting to maybe explore the fact of maybe the sheriff is not a hundred percent on board in the beginning. But I would have find that hard to believe. I think. I, yeah, I think so too. Because um, the very first thing he does is he goes to Atticus. Basically, it is like this has got to be you. And yeah. I feel like Atticus and Heck are friends. So. Yeah. Um. But I think you're right. I think. Well, that that's another thing too. Is that the only person who could have stopped that mob that night was Atticus. I, I, I genuinely believe like, and yet he didn't. Yes. And no, <laughs> he staved them off yeah, he, in that moment, I guess should, I should really say yeah. But the, the, the thing about that scene is that because he came at them so logically, but then I love that he comes at them personally. Well, so that's like, what did I was you get those so it was, potatoes? It was the, um, did you get those? Well, that is that is the, or thank you for, you know, those, scout yeah. that does that. Oh, so that's the and I'm sorry. I'm coming at I'm coming at it. So I've just read this. So I'm sorry <laughs> that I did. I'm doing this to you. I'm second. like, I've been thinking about this all day on my day off. And yeah. you're like coming in here. It's like I've been in 30 degree weather all <laughs> yeah, day. I'm sorry. Um, but you can do this to me tomorrow. You can read it and then we'll talk okay. again. <laughs> I'll be like, wait, what? After I teach all day. Um. But no, what I think is so awesome about that is that there is going to be this riot, you mm-hmm. know, this mob that's going to come and they're obviously about to do terrible things. Um, like they're going there with the intention of killing and torturing Tom Robinson. Yeah. And these people are also going to do this 
and this yet again makes me think about our current situation. They're going to do this because they're trusting the word of one man. Yeah. And he's lying to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they're all going there. And, um, you know, Atticus says the thing about, you know, we're, he says to Scout before this happens, he said, we're about to go through a very trying time mm-hmm. when, you know, we're going to, people are going to be upset with us and all, I can't remember the exact line, but essentially we can't forget that no matter what people say to us, that these people are our neighbors and this is our home. And though we may have our differences, we still have to live with these people mm-hmm. and we sh- still have to talk to them yeah. every day, no matter what. There should be no bitterness because of their opinion. Yeah. We just have to be able to talk about it and move on. And I feel like that's what he was trying to do in front. He was basically appealing to their logic. Yeah. But it was not a logical situation. And Scout runs in, this very innocent child, and looks at them and starts calling them out by name, essentially taking their mask off. Yeah. Or in this moment, I guess it would be essentially like taking their hoods off. Yeah. <laughs> And being like, <laughs> yeah. this is who you are. Yeah. And thank you so much for the sweet potatoes. Remember, my dad helped you with all those liens on your property. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this dude and this dude and this dude. And then eventually they all break down and they're like, oh, now we've been called out. We know who we are again. Mm-hmm. We're not in this mob mentality. And they essentially leave Bob Yule furious. Yeah. And they go. I think it's. I think it's very interesting, too, to also consider that, you know, had Tom died that night, you know, everything would have remained like the status quo of the town in Maycomb would have been the same. Mm-hmm. But what's great is like at the end of the story, after the trial has, you know, come to fruition, everybody's like had those. Uh, I know I forgot to turn that off again. <laughs> um, but after, you know, the truth comes out and everybody talks uh, or, you know, Atticus shares Tom's story and mm-hmm. he has a moment to even share it, regardless of the outcome of the the, the trial there, people start to Well, they to knew from the beginning like well, yeah. he was going to lose, but the importance was... Yeah, like it, that the, the story truth. was told. Yeah. And, and as a result of that, everyone treats Bob differently. Like they, they, I think they even say that they start walking on the other side of the street when mm-hmm. they see him. And I think that that's so important, too. It was like, they know the truth. Yeah, he thought that he was going to leave a hero. Yeah. And he ended up walking out of there, and no one believed that he was... No one that was in the courtroom believed. Mm-hmm. They just could not let a black man go free. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, it, it, it's so And they so talk about that. It was still a small step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting that in that moment, a child is the one that is able to show people their truer nature. Yeah. You know, that basically wiping away the anonymity and bringing people back to who they really are Mm -hmm. and being like, Oh, I should not be doing this. You're right. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. I think it's the perfect way of showing what it must be like to be in a mob Yeah, and to just have that mob brain, you know, where you just, you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just like, going crazy i mean at least that's what i've, I've never been in a mob but it's right. like what whenever you see it you're like this must be what's going on yeah because you because they it's it's weird because if they would have killed tom that night they probably all could have had the justification like oh yeah. there's no you know i don't they feel would have bad been fine. about what they would have yeah. still been able to go to sleep i think it's that thing of everybody has this darkness inside of them yeah and when you get enough people around that has a small part of them that is the same like that that's mm-hmm. this negative energy or whatever it is. 
that they all start feeding on each other. And then it all of a sudden it doesn't feel like it's a bad thing anymore. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, this is ex- I'm accepted by all these people. I I have to be right. Yeah. Which is, you know, the whole thing of of the Internet and these algorithms oh, that we're yes. all subjected to now of constantly being fed information that fits within our narrative. Mm-hmm. And it totally blocks our vision. Yeah. And, you know, we need somebody like Scout to jump in and be like, hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> Remember, like, the basics of humanity. Yeah. Be a person. We all know who you are. You want to be a good person. <laughs> Remember what it was like to be decent to one another? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I feel like this show just constantly can evolve Yeah, and move and change and just become so much more to us. But it is this, this like, 2,000-pound weight, I feel yeah. like on our shoulders of when we do get to do this show, we have to do it right. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the thing that we normally have whenever you do a show and you just trust that in the end, you know, like this is going to work. I know that I've, I've had this vision. I've done the work. It's all going to come together. Yeah. And hopefully we will see if it's, if it was a good version or not, Mm -hmm. you you just kind of have to cross your fingers because it is scary. You're like, this was in my brain. This is the way I feel. And hopefully we're going to approach this with honesty and it's going to, we're going to come out on the other end and it's going to be beautiful. It's possible that you're wrong, but I just, I feel like that there is a little bit more pressure with this one. Yeah. But also it lends itself to so much humanity and, and honesty that I feel like if you just approach it with a, you know, like a pure heart or whatever, then it's going to come out good no matter what. Yeah. Rather than just like, you know, well, let's just put up a show to put up a show. And that was one of the things I remember sitting down and actually talking about, Hey, do you think that this is a possibility that we could ever do this? Yeah. And it was just like a seed. And I don't remember which one of us had that conversation first. And it was just a seed that was planted that just became a reality. and was like, I I know Lexi really wanted to do, this is Lexi's favorite. Yeah. Um, agreed. She reads it a lot. And, um, I, she had talked to me about it and we were talking about, I remember we were all talking about a show that we could do that fits within our mission of doing theater for social change, which is my, my biggest thing that I like to do. Um, and what would be important for our, for our area that has Mm -hmm. not been done. And in all honesty, not a whole lot of theater has been done here in the last I don't know, 15 years maybe that is like this. Yeah. Um, you know, theater that is a little bit more shocking or that will test your, your beliefs yeah. in a way and make you actually like look inward and, and really think about the reasons why you feel and think this way. And as somebody who teaches kids during a political, very political time, yes. I will tell you that there are a lot of people that do not know why they think or feel a certain way. They just feel it mm-hmm. because that's whatever they've seen or whatever they've told, which is why yeah. I think in a very separate way, it's very important to travel and to experience other lives yes. and other ways of living. But that's a whole other subject. <laughs> right. It has nothing to do with Mockingbird, but it is about and in well, I guess it actually does have something to do with Mockingbird because it's all about learning empathy. I yeah. mean, I feel like that's a hundred percent what my job is 
as a teacher is just constantly teaching empathy. I mean, mm-hmm. I do teach fine arts, so it's not like I'm teaching math. I'm not teaching people to <laughs> empathize with, you know, like finding the X. Where did it go? I don't know. You ever been lost? <laughs> you're going to cry. You will very well. You're gonna I mean, cry I definitely lot. cried a lot. Yeah, yeah. I hate math. Um, but it is, it is that knowledge of empathy. And I think that's, for me, I think that's the word of the show mm-hmm. is even though I might be from a different background, I can still put myself into that other those other people's shoes or like what Scout says about Boo Radley, even on the porch and just think about where they're coming from. Yeah. That is one thing that I thought was so cool is that, you know, uh, Atticus has that line about his line to Jim, not even to Scout, but Scout is watching everything. Yeah. So, of course, you picked up on it. And so he says to Jim, you never truly know a person, never really know a person until you put them yourself in their skin and really walk around in it yeah. for a day. And I, at first when I heard that, I was like, why didn't he say shoes? Like the mm-hmm. skin thing is just off putting, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like it because in a way it's almost like Shakespeare. It's yeah. different than what you would expect. So it pops out a little bit more and, and you really have to think about it. And then, Scout comes back at the very end of the play and says the thing about Boo Radley of you didn't have to walk in his shoes to know him. You just had to make it to the front porch. Yeah. Which I just like. Yeah. It's one of those like, well, we were both blubbering at the end of it. But, you know, I was we were both very upset uh, that, you know, we had to cancel because of the quarantine and everything. Yeah. But it's almost beautiful and poetic with the way everything has played out in America specifically. Um uh, to see well, the fresh perspective, definitely for yeah. all the actors, whenever we do eventually get to come back about what this show means. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking about that today, like Boo Radley with quarantining. <laughs> well, yeah, like Boo Radley's quarantining. It's that Boo Radley's got the Corona, but it's, it, but it's, it's really cool to have those kids who are in the show with us that have never seen or experienced, you know, social injustice right. in this way, have seen it on display at the forefront of America constantly. And that's the yes. thing like kids, you, you just don't think that they see as much as they do. Blows my but mind. They pick up on everything. everything. You know, especially the kids that we cast in this show, they're all very mature. Mm-hmm. They come from great families. And, you know, we were talking, um, Lexi was telling me the other day about, she was talking to the little girl who's playing scout, her mom and, about the conversation that she had with her kids about what happened yeah, um, on Capitol Hill and explained it to them. And I just thought like, man, you know, like I've always wanted kids, but I'm, I'm happy that I'm not faced with this issue right yeah. now, that this is something that I can think about for a while and then hindsight educate yeah, instead of <laughs> in real time. I mean, that's just a lot of pressure. I mean, I will say teaching that next day was rough. Yeah. I, I wish that we would have had an in-service like an hour before school would have been like, this is what we are saying to the mm-hmm. kids. Because it's almost like they're not comfortable asking their parents in some way. You know, that they want to like come to school and they want to talk to everyone about it. And so no matter what, you know, without giving, and this is another hard thing, you can't give the people that you educate your opinion. Yeah. So you're basically like, these are the facts. Mm-hmm. We could we could deal with you a lot of that. You can talk about how you we could feel. use more of that in yeah. the world. Like you can talk about how you feel about those facts, but all I'm giving you are the facts yeah. of the situation. 
and telling you that if you're interested in it, you need to talk to your parents and research it. And then, you know, don't just go off of what people tell you. Mm -hmm. Look it up for yourself. Yep. Instead of saying like, oh, look, blue and green. I mean, blue and dang it. I ruined the joke. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But I am so excited for whenever we get to finally come back and even though I'm doing all this intense planning and I feel like we could probably do another episode on this and I'm sure we will. Oh yeah. You've got enough note cards and I, I'm I sorry. We keep talking. We made it, it on one note card. I pulled one note card down. <laughs> you did. And I didn't even finish it. Um, it just, it's just so, so nice to be able to jump in and pretend like it's possible again. Yeah. I do enjoy that. You asked me some challenging questions. Yeah. Sorry. That I didn't see beforehand. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> that it wasn't like, Hey, if, uh, if you know, if you were a color, yeah, you know, I've been sitting with this all like? day, so uh, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Poor Lexi. She's like, where have you been all day? Like, I've just been in the office on the couch. I walked in. You were both in here. It was nice yeah, and she, sweet. She eventually came in. She was like, all right, I'm spending time with I you I want now. to be with my husband <laughs> today. <laughs> basically, she was like, you want to you wanna not, you want to put that script down for a minute? I was like, remember when it was like this all the time? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's get you back to her. Yeah. And uh, we'll cut it. we'll cut it now and... Maybe we can get to, to some of those other note cards. I think we can get to those, some of the other note cards, yeah. Well, what's what, like six and if cards just, on the wall? So we've got about six podcasts that's worth true. of That's true. I mean, we could just have, we'll just say this. If you, if you don't like To Kill a Mockingbird, I don't understand you, but you may not like necessarily the next couple of podcasts. Yes. Still listen. Oh, please. Yeah. Just <laughs> down, download it. You just download it and delete it if you want, but just download it anyway. <laughs> All right, hey, um, so you got a joke for me? A j- joke? You got any bird jokes? Bird jokes? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know if I have any bird jokes. Um, I got, I got like a bicycle joke. Okay. Why, why, why did my bicycle fall over? <laughs> it was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it. That yeah. was, uh, well, no, that is Chris. <laughs> and that was Cody. You did this. You led us down this path. Oh. This rocky path.